advance of Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's visit with American President Donald Trump in Washington, D.C., we sat down with Thomas A. Burns, an expert in international trade who is currently a distinguished senior fellow here at CG, as well as our former executive director. We wanted to hear Tom's thoughts on trade, Trump, and what all of this means for global economic cooperation. Well, I think it, it's a very important meeting because it's the first meeting between Trudeau and, and Trump. And we know from you know Trump's comments that, uh, well, we know two things. One, he likes to judge people uh, directly, and, and this will be the first time he's, he's, he's met with our prime minister. Uh, you know, the other thing is, is we know that, that Trump likes to, uh, to be, uh, to set a tone where he's, he's very strong and, and issues maximum demand. So one of the questions is going to be, how will he play this meeting? Will he use it to set out maximum demands or given some of the other problems he's had, will he attempt to use this as a meeting to show that, uh, in fact, he has can have good relations with at least one leader. Well, this meeting specifically um, is going to be difficult for Trudeau to kind of navigate in that there's many landmines. This is obviously a really important relationship um, for Canada. It's the biggest trading partner and and, and border. Um, What do you think they're going to try and avoid talking about? And where do you think the wins that... um, Trudeau and even Trump could could benefit from in these meetings would be? I think the win, which may be the easier one, uh, is is to show that, that, that the two leaders can uh, define a, a common agenda to, uh, to work for improving uh, the lot of the middle class. I mean, that was the theme in the Canadian election. It clearly was the theme in the United States election. That is a common political message, and if they can craft uh, messages around that, both in, in terms of strengthening trade cooperation, uh, even perhaps in, in terms of uh, energy, I think there are some positive messages there. I think the, 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 the risks or the sensitive parts are going to be on, on potentially on defense. Uh, and and on on security, I think on defense, uh, you know, Trump has been very specific about other countries are not pulling their fair share. Uh, NATO has an objective of two percent of GDP on defense spending. Canada spends half of that. Mm-hmm. Will that become a message that Trump will pick up? Uh, secondly, clearly. Canada's policy with respect to, to Syrian refugees is uh, is diametrically opposed to where the U.S. is is right now. And and given what's happening in terms of, of the ban, which is being being put on hold by the courts, uh, will Trump seek to to um, to make that an issue to to protect his own domestic position and and. Uh, there is a risk there that that could become a, a, a flashpoint. So I think the sensitivity issue probably will not so much be on the economic side, uh, but more on security and, and defense issues. Okay, well, so speaking of the economic side, um, Trump has long said that NAFTA, renegotiating NAFTA, would be a, it was a big part of his election campaign. A lot of his promises were tied around renegotiating trade deals in general. 
but NAFTA renegotiation should be a, uh, you know, could be a significant part of these meetings, which isn't necessarily a bad thing for Canada. Um, where do you see that conversation going? Are there clear wins? Are there, um, are there uh, touchier areas? I think for, certainly, as you said, renegotiating NAFTA was a, a major campaign theme of, of, of uh, Donald Trump. But it was also clear that his major concern was with Mexico, where there is a a large uh, trade imbalance. From the Canadian perspective, that the trade is much more imbalanced. Uh, it's obviously much more important for Canada because it constitutes a third of our our GDP. Uh, but it's also equally important for a number of U.S. states. And I think the Canadian government has been trying to get that message out. Uh, there is a range of, of what I would call technical improvements that, that can be made to to, uh, to NAFTA. Some of these were negotiated in the context of the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, which, of course, the U.S. has indicated they're not going to proceed with. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, on a range of issues, those could uh, provide guidance in terms of how uh, NAFTA could be modernized uh, in, in in terms of a range of issues, running from rules of origin to uh, to dispute settlement, uh, investor investor state relations. Uh, but the, the question, I don't think we will see Monday uh, a lot of specifics, uh, because I think in in some ways the, the negotiation, uh, the centrality of the negotiation will be vis-a-vis what. Uh, the U.S. will be seeking in terms of Mexico, and I don't think that has yet been defined. And so I think we're going to have to wait a little bit until we get some clarity. Well, you mentioned Mexico, and and you live in Mexico. You're there now. Uh, The relationship between Donald Trump and Mexican President Enrique Peña Nieto has been fraught, to say the least. Uh, There's been a couple Twitter fights, and um, uh, there's been some serious disagreements on a separation wall between southern U.S. states and Mexico, and who would pay. How do you see NAFTA negotiations or renegotiations going uh, from, like, with that context? Uh, I would say that Trudeau and and Trump maybe have a bit more of a pleasant or at least cordial type of relationship with each other when, you know, the Mexico-U.S. relationship got off on a very, very rocky start. Well, I think that's right, and I, I think it, it's very unfortunate. There's no doubt that the tensions are are high in Mexico, and it's ironic that Mexico, which uh, has followed the economic prescription of, of consensus forged by the United States over recent decades, um, and who has become a strong partner to the United States, is now economically suffering at the hands of, uh, of, of very serious bullying, and, and that's reflected in, in slower growth, it's reflected in, in uh, uh, their exchange rate, which is, has deteriorated, and not as a result of any bad performance in terms of their economy. And so I think what Mexico, like Canada, has said, yes, we're prepared to sit down and, and, and talk. Uh, but Mexico has, has said within the context of a broader set of discussions, dealing with, uh, with security, uh, for instance, um, and the border. And I, and I think that's going to be the key to whether 
progress can be made, if a broad enough agenda can be defined uh, so that there is room for some give and take on all sides, uh, then I think some progress may be possible along with Mexico. If it's kept only in terms of renegotiating NAFTA, then it's very hard to see uh, where there is a positive sum game where every side can feel that they've got uh, something out of it. And I think the bigger risk um, is that the treatment of Mexico by, by Trump has inflamed uh, Mexican opinion. And they have elections coming up next year. And there is a very populist left-wing candidate who uh, is going to be running. And polls are now showing that he's, he's running very strongly. And so uh, the result of all of this is, is, is the risk that, that the United States could end up with a government on their southern border, which is a lot less susceptible to cooperation with the United States and and, and therefore could, frankly, pose a, a greater security risk for them on their southern border. And that's a really interesting kind of political context to put it into in terms that, you know, Peña Nieto is kind of balancing both domestic and international interests. And I would uh, put it out there that Trudeau is doing kind of the same thing in terms of trying to uh, he, he received a bit of a fair bit of criticism in Canada when he didn't come out unequivocally and say that the ban was wrong or that we, you know, we opposed it and that he would actively, um, you know, negotiate with Trump to kind of change that or, or you know, use diplomacy or anything like that. And so um, many are arguing that the same kind of internal pressures are, are facing Trudeau at home with um, going to meet Trump, but also showing this this um, the quote-unquote, Canadian uh, tolerance and the uh, Canadian ethos of, of being kind of tolerant and acceptant. Do you, do you think that that's a similar kind of comparison? No, I think that's absolutely the case, and I think that's why the success will depend upon the ability to define a positive common agenda. I mean, clearly it's, 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 it's going to be difficult for, for the Prime Minister if the conversation veers in, into areas that uh, where, where clearly Canadian values are, are very, very different, and uh, where he would have to make that clear. Um, I mean, we saw with, the, with Prime Minister May of the UK, uh, who came, I mean, she, she walked a very fine line, but she was in a very difficult position as well, because she was seeking something uh, big in terms of support from the United States for uh, a post-Brexit world. Um, Trudeau is lucky in one sense that he doesn't have that overriding objective he's got to pursue, um, but he's got to maintain that balance and, and, and showing uh, that he does stand for Canadian values, and that, depending upon how Trump approaches the meetings, could be could be problematic. And you mentioned Brexit, and, and I think 2016, it's fairly obvious, was a dramatic year when it came to uh, global cooperation, global markets between Brexit and, you know, instabilities in Western Europe, and uh, some saying that the G20 process was turning uh, a little stagnant or ineffective, and then you also warned about, um, in a CG opinion piece that you wrote uh, late last year, about Trump's potential trade war as adding to that instability. Uh, considering how all of this, um, all of these conversations that we're having are operating in a larger global context, what do you see in store for global economic cooperation 2017 and beyond? Is 
uh, the instability a new normal, or do you think maybe things would settle down, start running more smoothly? Well, unfortunately, at this point in time, it looks as though instability will be the new norm. Um, you know, the IMF in its writing has, over the last years, you know, pointed out that um, because of the political instability, the risks to a stronger economic performance have been increasing. And with the uncertainty caused by uh, the Trump administration and, and the lack of clarity on his policies, uh, I mean, the reality is we don't know where they're going to go yet, but, but we do know that the rhetoric is, is very worrying. But you have that. You have now the the uh, the UK negotiating its its, its uh, uh, departure from the European Union. Uh, again, nobody knows where that's going to to take them. Uh, you have the continuing tensions within the EU, and and you now have some comments out of the Trump administration talking about. Uh, uh, how Germany is using the, the European Union exchange rate to uh, to give it an unfair trade advantage. And so, you know, there are tensions on all sides. And if you look at the G20 context, the G20 was established to to promote economic cooperation between its, its member countries, uh, you know, based on, on common beliefs in, in open markets, free trade, uh, and by and large liberal democracies. And you now have within the U.S. administration uh, a rejection of those values, calling for an American first policy. Um, and so it's going to be very hard to see, uh, for me anyway, how the G20 can, um, uh, can make progress. When Germany hosts the G20 meeting uh, this, this year, and to begin with, a number of, of the uh, Agreements in last year's communique from climate change to economic cooperation to resisting protectionist pressures uh, clearly are, are totally at odds with what the Trump administration has been talking. And so uh, there is huge uncertainty, and, and barring uh, a sudden conversion on the road to Damascus uh, by the Trump administration, we're going to continue to face that uncertainty and that uh, that risk, which, which unfortunately will have a, a negative uh, feedback into economic growth and prospects. That's a really helpful uh, look ahead for us, uh, especially as we're, you know, we're going to be paying attention at CG to these talks, to NAFTA, and of course to the G20 meetings uh, in Hamburg uh, this July. So, Tom, thank you so much for chatting with us, um, for taking time out of your day, and we really appreciate it. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you. If you'd like to read more of CG's scholarship on the issues of international trade, the G20, and NAFTA, you can visit cgonline.org, C-I-G-I online.org.